It was just a regular Army Reserve weekend, and so I did what I always do as an Army Reserve chaplain. I walked around and visited and prayed with soldiers. I love being a chaplain. It's by far the best job in the military, and I often remind my soldiers of this. I remember talking to a few of them, just like normal, visiting with them, and then came the call, the call from my commander. I remember it so clearly. He said, chap, I need to see you in my office for a minute. And so I remember after answering the call, running through the building to get to his office because that's what you do when your commander calls you. And I arrived outside his door and he invited me in and he said, you're going to want to sit down for this. That's never a good sign, my friends. So we talked for a few moments. We exchanged some pleasantries. And then he said, let me get straight to the point, chap. We're getting deployed in a few months to the Middle East, and some of our soldiers are going to see combat. But nobody knows yet. We're going to tell them today. So I need you to be ready. I need you to be ready to provide ministry to some soldiers and their families who are going to be very upset. I remember hearing that, and I sat there in silence. I didn't know how to respond. No church. I didn't put on my Pastor David's Superman cape and say to my commander, well, how are you doing with all this? Nothing. I just sat there silent. And I'm guessing my commander, noticing that I was pretty much worthless at that point, uh, he dismissed me from the office. And I remember leaving the office and being absolutely floored. I couldn't believe it. I was actually getting deployed. I was just told that my life was about to totally change. How was I going to tell my wife? How was I going to tell you, the church? I was about to be gone for a year in a different culture, away from home. And I could possibly be facing combat. As I thought about all this, I was filled with a rush of emotions. I was filled with fear. I was filled with anxiety. I was filled with anger. But mostly, to be honest, I was filled with fear of the unknown. And I talk about all these emotions that I felt when I found out I was getting deployed on a mission because I imagine many of these emotions are the same emotions the disciples experienced in our text today. Jesus has just gathered them together And now he's given them the mission. He's given them the word of their first deployment. And he says, by the way, you guys, you're going without me. Think about it. Up to this point, the disciples, they've been hanging out with the Son of God in the flesh. And now he says, okay, it's time. It's time to go out. I imagine Peter thinking, really, Jesus, really? Are you sure we're ready for this? And friends, this text is so important for us this morning because the truth is that soldiers and the disciples are not the only ones called to be deployed into a broken world. In fact, we, as God's children, as a part of his church, we are called to be deployed in this broken world. We're called to bring his kingdom. And for many of us, That's scary. 
Because face it, our world is broken. There are so many problems. But here's the good news. Here's the good news about the deployed life we are called to live as Christians. The good news is this, that God gives us everything we need for our deployment. He gives us everything we need. And the first thing he does for us, the first thing he gives us, is that Jesus gives us the power to deploy. Jesus gives us the power to deploy. Let's take a look at that truth in our text this morning. Beginning in verse 1, it says this, And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. So Jesus, he calls all the disciples together. And notice what it says. Notice who is doing the giving. Notice who's doing the action. It's Jesus. He gave. He gave. He gave them the power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Remember, this is not from them. It's from him. And also, up to this point, the disciples, they've been hanging out with Jesus. They've been watching Jesus model ministry. But now he's doing something different. Instead of modeling for them, he's sending them out and empowering them. And believe it or not, he does the same thing with us. Did you know our relationship with Jesus? It does not end with us just receiving from him, from just resting in his presence. No, there's a point when he calls us to go out and minister to others. And that's not just pastors or missionaries. That's all believers. The Greek word here used for power is the same word used in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, you will receive power. You will receive dunamis in Greek, uh, the word we get dynamite from, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. So what is our power to deploy? Well, our power to deploy doesn't come from anything within us. It's not our good theology or our proper thinking or our orthodoxy. No, our power to deploy comes from the person of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who gives us the power and authority. He is the one who equips us for the work of the ministry. And I remember so clearly when we were getting ready to deploy, uh, they first sent us to Fort Hood, Texas to equip us with the power, with the proper equipment we needed for our mission. Soldiers, they receive all their weapons and all their body armor in North Fort Hood. And I remember going through the process, receiving my army combat helmet right here with my cross sewn on the front. I remember receiving my body armor with the titanium plates in it. I remember how heavy this vest was. I remember putting the vest on and the plates weighed me down. And I'm not going to lie, church, I was feeling pretty good at that point. I was feeling like I was going to be a lot safer in this body armor. Now, the soldier behind me, he must have noticed that I was feeling pretty good about this body armor because he turned to me and he said, yeah, um, one time while I was deployed in Iraq, I watched a piece of shrapnel go through the front and back plate of somebody who was wearing the body armor. It was like a hot knife through butter. I remember standing there thinking, oh, well, thank you for such a comforting statement, brother. Now, 
I say all this to remind us that what we are equipped with, the power that we are equipped with for our deployment is much better than the power or equipment than any army ever receives in this world. You see, we are equipped with someone much better than any earthly weapon. We are equipped with God himself through the presence of his Holy Spirit. The Spirit that will never leave you, that will never forsake you. Friends, this is the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the borrowed grave. He is within you and he has equipped you for the work of the ministry. He has given you the power and the authority. He has given you the power to deploy. And he's given you the power to deploy for an incredible mission, a much better, more meaningful mission than any army has ever had in history, a much better, more meaningful mission than any political party or any governmental system. You see, Jesus, he's given us the power to deploy, but he's also given us the purpose to deploy. So let's read about that in verse two. It says this, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. You see, friends, we have a purpose and our purpose is greater than the purpose of any military. Our purpose is greater than the purpose of any government. Our purpose is greater than the purpose of any political party. You see, we have a purpose as followers of Christ, an eternal purpose and that's to preach the kingdom of God and to heal. Notice verse 6, it says they departed preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now, what we can infer from this is that Luke, he sees these two terms as interchangeable, the kingdom of God and the gospel. They're both one and the same. Now, I just want you to take a moment to think about the need for the kingdom of God and the gospel. I want you to think about our nation. There have been few times in our history, in the short nation's history, where preaching the kingdom and bringing healing has been more needed than now. You see, friends, our nation desperately needs this message. This is part of the reason that just this past weekend, four young men came to Christ through ministry, through the ministry of our church. Because people are desperate. They're desperate. And they're desperately desiring something more than this world has to offer. Friends, we have a purpose. And our purpose is to preach the gospel and to bring healing. And as I look out on our nation, I see so much injustice. I see so much anger on the part of that injustice. Much of which is justifiable anger. I also see so much fear and so much brokenness. But there's something else I also see. I also see an incredible deficit of purpose. People are desperately grasping for purpose. And the problem with trying to find your purpose in a specific political party or movement or nation is that we were designed for something more. Friend, did you know? Did you know? that you were created for something more, more than the United States has to offer, 
Did you know that you were created for something more than any political party has to offer? You see, the problem with all of these movements is they're temporal, they're temporary movements. And you are an everlasting being. You were created, therefore, for an everlasting kingdom. And you were created to bring in and preach that everlasting kingdom and bring healing. So what does it mean to preach the kingdom? Well, the kingdom is simply God's reign through God's people over God's place. God is the one who is redemptively reclaiming creation through the work of his people. And notice Luke, he uses these phrases interchangeably. The word gospel with the word kingdom. And friends, the gospel is simply the good news that is rooted in the generosity of our loving God. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He gave. He gave his only son. But not only are we called to preach the kingdom and the gospel, but we're also called to do something beyond that. We're called to bring healing to our land. We're called to bring healing and pray for healing. Lord, our friends are in such desperate need of healing right now. Our nation is in such desperate need of healing. And I'm not talking just about physical healing. Our our world does need physical healing. But our world also needs major emotional and spiritual healing of which Jesus is the only one who can bring. So where do we fit into all that? Well, we fit in through our lives and through our boldness in stepping out to proclaim the gospel. There's a proclamation. And when I think about this as your pastor, I find it so exciting because it doesn't get any better than this. There is no better purpose than this. Nothing else in the world is better, my friends. And this would be good enough if Jesus just gave us the power and the purpose to deploy. But my friends, he also gives us a promise for our deployment. So let's take a look at that truth in our scripture. For this, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 22 where Jesus gives his, his promise attached to the Great Commission. Matthew twenty-two, eighteen, it says this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, I want us to focus on that last part that we almost always skip over. He says this, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Friends, this is the promise for our deployment, that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. Now, I want us to apply that promise to our text in Luke chapter 9. And uh, we're going to do that by looking at verse 5, where Jesus says this. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake the dust 
from your feet as a testimony against them. Now, you may be thinking, well, that sounds pretty nasty, Pastor, that Jesus says that. Well, here's the thing with this statement. I don't really think this verse is about the other people in the town. No, this verse is about the God who is faithful to us. You see, ultimately what Jesus is saying here to the disciples is that we have a deployment, we have a mission that we are called to go do. But our mission is only to preach the gospel, to preach the kingdom and to heal. We are not responsible for other people's responses to gospel preaching and to healing. I love how Eugene Peterson puts this in the message version of scripture. He says, if you're not welcomed, leave town. Don't make a scene, shrug your shoulders and move on. In other words, my friends, what Jesus is saying here is we are only responsible as his disciples to preach the gospel and to heal. We are not responsible for how others respond to the gospel message. If the response is bad, we don't have to take it personally because it's not really about us. The Holy Spirit is the one who's going to save that person anyway. I'll give you a couple biblical examples of what I'm talking about here. I was reading Acts chapter 7 this past week and Stephen, one of the early church uh, members, in Acts chapter 7, he gives possibly one of the greatest sermons in history. If you've never read it, I encourage you to. It's a footnote of the entire Old Testament pointing to Jesus. So he gives this sermon in front of the Sanhedrin, the priests in Jerusalem. This beautiful sermon. And how do they respond? Well, they kill him. That was their response to the most amazing sermon, one of the most amazing sermons in history. And guess what? I say all this to remind you, don't get too hung up on people's responses. We are not responsible for their response. Now, let me take this a little further than Stephen. Jesus had an amazing message. You heard his best sermon last week, his longest sermon. He was the best speaker who ever lived. And what happened to him? Well, he was killed. He was killed because of his message. But here's the beautiful part. As he went to the cross, he didn't just die for those who responded positively to the gospel message. No, he died for everyone. The responsive and the unresponsive alike. I love this line about kicking dust off of our feet because it's like basically Jesus is saying to the disciples and to us, friends, you're not responsible to change people's minds. You see, we feel so much unnecessary pressure that we put on ourselves because we think that it's all about us. If they don't respond to the gospel message, it's our fault. We need to argue them into the kingdom. But Jesus, he's saying, no, no, the pressure's not on you. The pressure's not on you. All you have to do is be faithful in the message. All you have to do is be faithful in preaching God's word and healing. We are not responsible for how people respond or for people's opinions about us or our message. If one thing can be said about Jesus, it's that he never let people's response to his message 
or opinions about him control what he did. And we, in the same way, cannot let the response of others and their opinions control what we do. The other beautiful part of this promise is that Jesus' presence is with us. And his presence is not contingent upon the fruitfulness of our ministry. No, friends, he's always with us, no matter what. It's just that when you step out, when we step out in faith, it allows him to be glorified and to move more in our lives. So friends, I'm going to ask you for something as your pastor of discipleship and evangelism. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Will you join me on this mission that Jesus has called us to? And remember what's so incredible about this mission. It's simply that Jesus gives us the power to deploy. He gives us the purpose to deploy. And he gives us the promise for our deployment. Thanks be to God.